Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. I feel like I should have danced right there or something. Good morning, Mosaic. Good to see y'all. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Yes, like Pastor Naeem said, we celebrated our 17th anniversary last Sunday, 17 years of Mosaic. That's right, we can clap for that. We can clap for that. And we decided, why not? Let's just keep the party going, right? We're going to keep the party going for a couple more weeks. And so he told stories last week of how we got here and who we are. And that Mosaic exists basically to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. And if you're like, that sounds great, but I don't actually know what that means. Make sure you go back and check out his message from last Sunday. It's always fun to look back at stories, right? To highlight fun things that have happened. Because even if you weren't here, even if you weren't part of the stories and the things that we were sharing over these 17 years, we can still get caught up in the emotion. We can still get caught up in the fun of it. It's, it's funny to me that um, Sean actually just brought up stories during worship because he had no idea <laughs> that that's what I was going to talk about up front here this morning either. But it's true. We all have stories and we can connect to stories. And because I am who I am, when I hear the word stories, I think of Instagram. Anybody else? Social media person? I'm on all of the social medias. I'm on all of them. But I like to tell people that I live on Instagram. I have actually become one of those people that just like puts my life out there on Instagram. Some of you are like, I know, I had to mute you. It's too much. I just slide, swipe, swipe, swipe. It's all good. But there are also people that I like to follow on Instagram that I make sure that I never miss their stories. There's one girl in particular, her name is Jen Todrick, and she goes by the Rambling Redhead. She has like a million and a zillion and a half followers, so some of you probably know who she is. But I never miss her stories, ever, ever. It's become part of my like routine at the end of the day when I'm getting ready for bed and brushing my teeth. I will go to her stories, and if she's not there, I'm sad. I'm like, oh. Where's my friend? I want to know about her. I want to know what's going on because she lives her life in such a way that's inviting and including. And I feel like I'm part of her family. So I will watch her do eight slides on the the equipment that she bought for her son for soccer just because I like being part of her life. Mind you, I don't have a son. I have two daughters and they don't play soccer. (laughs) But this is how we can get caught up in people's stories. I feel like I know her husband and her kids and her family. But the truth is, we're not actually in a relationship, right? I'm watching her family, but I'm just someone who watches from the outside for entertainment. As I'm looking at her through my phone screen, laughing at her jokes, I'm like, oh, we're so connected. She has no idea who I am. And I know this because I've messaged her multiple times (laughs) with no response. She has no idea who 
I am. I'm trying, Jen. I'm coming for you. I'm trying. I'm trying. But this is what Instagram is, right? It's for entertainment. It's not real. And we know that whether it's stories or looking at somebody's feed, we know that this is not real life. You've heard people talk about the highlight reel versus like the real reel. We know that there are mundane things happening. We know that as we're watching people show their lives in stories, there are other moments where they are just coming together to do chores, where they are paying the bills, where they are fighting, where they are having hard conversations. And we know what it's like to watch someone's feed and tell ourselves and convince ourselves that we have this connection. And yet, when we put down our phone and walk away, we also then have that reminder that we're lonely because we know that that is not a real relationship. And so this morning, I want you to know that church isn't Instagram. Some of you are like, duh, it's not Instagram. Church isn't Instagram, but I wonder if possibly we are treating it like it is. So the big question for today is why church? Why church? Do we really need the church and to what extent do we actually need it? Why do I need to come on the boring regular Sundays when I can just watch online and it's so much easier to just catch up when I'm scrolling on my phone? Because I'm gonna tell you, it is. It is easier. Some of you have little people and you are in a stage of life, it is hard to get your people here on a Sunday. Some of you have been hurt by church and you're very like just dipping your toes in trying to see if you're gonna come back into it to see if this church will finally be different than the ones that you experienced before. <laughs> Trevor, it is. That's my, I hope that you all agree with Trevor by the time we leave here today. Thank you, sir. Some of you are showing up post-pandemic, but you've been part of us for years. You've been part of Mosaic for years, but then you come back and you're like, oh, it's not the same. And so it's hard and it feels weird. And I'm gonna tell you, it's not the same. It's nothing is the same post-pandemic after the last couple years, but maybe instead of sitting in that, we can rebuild and we can figure out how we can move forward into the next 17 years. And for those of you that are physically here, you're like, hey, what did, I'm here. Like, what did I do? You get it, I know. And you understand what it's like. You understand how experiencing worship like we just did in a group of people in one body is so much different than watching worship online or listening to it, even on Spotify on a Tuesday when you're driving to work. There is just something about the experience of being in person. But even if you're here, it doesn't mean that you're not sometimes asking yourself this underlying question, which I think really is this, but isn't my relationship with God between me and God? Isn't my relationship with God between me and God? Why do I need the church? And yeah, you can believe in God by yourself. You can have a relationship with God by yourself. But I wonder if you can fully become who it is that you are supposed to be. If you can fully see God working and moving and speaking in your life by yourself. And before you're like, whoa, girl, that's heresy. Listen. All I'm saying is God can do anything. God can do anything. He can speak to you in your home by yourself. He can speak to you in your car by yourself. He can communicate with you on your own. I'm not trying to limit God and what he can do. 
But I wonder if that's what some of us are accidentally doing. If we're accidentally limiting God and putting him in a box, if our spirituality only involves us and him. So that's what we're going to look at today. Mosaic is actually one of a thousand-ish churches in Charlotte. Did you know that? Thank you for being here. I don't know how you found us. There are three churches just right here in this parking lot. It's insane. It's insane. There are over 300,000 churches in the U.S. So right now, let me just tell you right up front, I'm going to talk about Mosaic today because this is my favorite one. (laughs) This is where I have seen God move and grow people for the last 17 years. And so this is what we're gonna talk about today. But I also wanna tell you that if you decide, hey, this place is not for me, I am okay with that. If you decide Mosaic is not what I'm about and this is not where I wanna grow in my faith, I'm okay with that. We are okay with that. But this is where you showed up today. So this is what we're gonna talk about. And everything that I'm about to say, whether or not you land at Mosaic, I still believe it. I still believe it with every single thing in me. And I'm telling you that just so you know, I'm not just trying to convince you to be here. I would love for you to be here. What I'm trying to convince you of is the need for church. So here at Mosaic, we exist to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. And we think that looks like a diverse community of people coming together to live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope. See, I've been a part of multiple churches. Um, I grew up in the church, and I actually got to meet Naeem and Ashley in 2005 when the launch team moved here. I had the honor and the pleasure and sometimes the struggle of launching Mosaic 17 years ago, and I have been here the whole time. I've seen the stories, the easy ones, the fun ones, and the hard ones but I've always been a church girl. I have always loved church. I think I have more memories of growing up at church than I do at dance or camp or school or my house because that's where I felt the safest. That's where I felt the most loved. That's where my people were. That's where I wanted to be all the time. One time, it's even where I figured out how to climb up onto the roof of our however many story uh, Methodist building and write my name on the bricks with a Sharpie and still not tell my mom about that even though I'm 40 years old. (laughs) When we're safe, we end up, you know, we do things that we wouldn't normally do, right? And I've always loved the church. So maybe that's why my favorite part of scripture is the epistles. The epistles are letters of of the New Testament where Paul is writing, Paul's written a lot of them. They're writing letters to established churches. So in Acts, We see the churches going out and getting started and being planted, but it's in these letters, two churches, two people groups, just like us, where they're going, hey, I see you. This is what you're doing. Here's how you can do a better job of sharing what you know. Let me encourage you in telling people who Jesus is and taking his movement out into the world. And so it's one of these letters that Mosaic's vision came from. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying to this this church, this group of people, we are thanking God for you. We, 
Paul and Silas and Timothy and whoever was with him right then, we are thanking God for what you are doing, your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love. And these two things sound the same, but they're not. We like to use work and labor as synonyms, but in this instance, they're very different words. The word work here in Greek is ergon. I am terrible at accents. So can you say ergon, please, so that I am not the only one that doesn't do Greek? Ergon. It's great. Okay. That's probably how you're supposed to say it, right? That, that's the work. That's the Greek word for work. It's the actionable task. It's the thing that is happening. And I don't know if you know, but being part of a church and running a church is work. It's work and it's hard. But he's saying, I see that you're doing it. You're doing all of these things because of your faith. And then their labor prompted by love, this word labor, say kapas, that's a different Greek word. And so we've got the ergon works and we've got the kapas labor. And this is different because it's more connected to a feeling, a motivation, a why that drives it. So much like a woman who is in labor with a baby, there is something different. She is doing the work of birthing a human from her body, but the labor is motivated by love. There is something else that is driving her to do it. And I suppose that you can probably do that ergon work without having a whole lot of feelings about it. I guarantee you, you cannot do the work of labor, of kapas, and have no feelings about it. Can I get an amen from some moms? Please, and thank you. It's not exactly the same. He also thanks them for their endurance inspired by hope, to keep going even though it's hard, even though it just feels like a lot of work or a lot of feelings, or sometimes both. He's like, you have hope, and so I see your endurance. And so Mosaic's vision was built on this message, to live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope. And this letter kind of feels like the highest praise from Paul. He was an apostle, and so his job was to send people out and to make sure that they were equipped, to make sure that the movement of Jesus continued to spread all throughout the world. And so in this letter, he's encouraging them. He's like, hey, you're doing it. Like you're doing all of the right important things. And if you read the other epistles and the other letters, this is not always what he's saying. He's not always encouraging them. In another letter where Paul wasn't actually quite so complimentary, he wrote to another church in Corinth. And he says, three things will last forever. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Three things, three things, three things that Mosaic is committed to as a church. Three things that we believe will last eternally. Three things that Paul went on and on and on about because they were so important to him because they were so important to Jesus. Three things. And it's crucial for us to understand that if we wanna step into our purpose, and we want to become the people that God has called us to, that we need to understand what faith, hope, and love really are. So we're going to get into the weeds of these three things today. Faith is essentially a belief. It's the whole basis of Christianity, right? It's based on our belief that God and Jesus are who they say they are. We believe that. That's our faith. But even if you're not sure about God, you're like, I don't know. I don't have faith. I'm not sure about God. I'm just here. I don't even know how I found this message. I don't have faith. Well, in a non-spiritual way, I think it's called trust. 
and we do have trust, and you trust people every single day. It's why when you're driving and you get to a green light, you just keep going because you're trusting that the other people who see the red light are gonna stop and do the things that they're supposed to do. We trust people all day long. It's why we still get on airplanes after 9-11. We are trusting the other people that are with us that they're gonna value the humanity of everybody else on that plane and treat them as they should be treated. It's why we send our kids away from us for most of the day to school, because we trust that when they're there, Everything is going to be as it should be. And I know this is not always the case. It's why we're shaken when things keep happening, when there continue to be attacks and hate crimes and terrorism against people. Like this week, as we were reminded of the death of Tyree Nichols and the back-to-back -back shootings of the AAPI communities in California, this rocks our faith because we know this is not what's supposed to happen. This is not how people are supposed to behave towards other people. Our hearts are designed to trust. Our hearts were designed to have faith because we innately do. That's why every time our trust is broken, we are inclined to trust again. Maybe that's why Jesus told us to have childlike faith because he knew that it was kids who could continue to have faith and could continue in trust because they haven't experienced mistrust or distrust or been in a, a situation where their trust has been broken. We have that desire to believe that there is good in the world and that we can trust people even when it doesn't make sense. That's faith. That's faith. Then hope. Hope gives us something to live for. Hope allows us to look toward a future that we can't see yet. Like now, that doesn't mean that we know the actual plan. It doesn't mean that we know the steps and I'm gonna do this and this and this. No one does, right? Nobody knows what is actually coming for us. But hope is that perspective, that ability to see that we are part of a bigger story, that that same God that Paul was talking about, who was moving in the early church, is going to continue moving now. We are here in their future. And God is going to continue moving into our future, into other people, into other churches that we can't even begin to imagine who they are. Hope gives us the perspective and the ability to look forward past what we can currently see. It allows us to dream big and to keep going. And then love, love is the thing that drives us. Love is our connection to someone else because love reminds us that we have value and that we matter. And love, you're loved just because, because God is love. You're not loved because you earn it. You're not loved because you didn't disappoint someone. You're not loved because you met all the expectations. Love just says you matter, you have value. There's connection to you. I see you and I know you and I still actually wanna be around you. That's love. We were created to be drawn to love. And so he says, these three things will remain. But more than knowing what they are, I also want to make sure you understand that we can't live without any of these three things. We cannot live without any of them. If you have faith and love without hope, I think that's where we end up feeling confused, possibly even cynical, because we lose the ability to see past our current situation. 
And so some of you right now, it feels impossible to look to the future because you're just swirling in your present and everything feels chaotic and out of control and everything feels hard. And I understand I am coming out of this myself from the last couple of months where it was just thing after thing and thought after thought and fight after fight and emotion after emotion. And I was like, God, seriously, what in the world? I was stuck in my present. I could not find hope. I did not have hope to be able to see past my current circumstances into what was going to be coming. And if we can't find our hope again, this is where we start to believe the lies in our head. This is where I think people get caught up in conspiracy theories because we're so desperate for someone to tell us how to fix it or why things are and to help us to understand things that we can't understand that we start believing things that we wouldn't believe if we had hope. Hopelessness is the lie that tells us that life is not worth continuing on with. We have to have hope. We cannot live without hope. And so what if we have hope and faith, but no love? I think this is the easiest one to relate to. If we don't have love, we feel lonely. We feel lonely. You can still dream or hope for things, but you probably convince yourself that nobody actually cares about what your dreams and hopes are. You can still put your faith in people or in God, but you probably assume that none of them have faith back in you because you have convinced yourself that you're alone. Without love, we feel overlooked, unappreciated, unseen. We feel like an outsider and convince ourselves that people are intentionally leaving us out. Isolation, I believe, is one of the best tricks of the enemy. It's one of the best tricks of the enemy because if he can convince you that you are not loved, he is coming against and attacking the very thing that God is. If he can convince you that you are alone, he has, he has gotten you right in the essence of your very existence because God is loved. God is love. And so if, if we can not remember that and we don't live with that remembrance and that feeling of love, there are so many other dark places that we can end up. So many places. God will not remove himself from us and he is love. So we cannot remove love from our lives. And I know it's very easy it's very easy, been there, to go, well, it's not my fault that nobody loves me. It's not my fault that I'm feeling this way. It's their fault, right? They're not loving me. They're leaving me out, this, this, and that. God, where are you? If you love me then, why am I not seeing this? But sometimes, and this is a lot harder to admit, I think that the love is there. We just really struggle to accept it. We really struggle to accept it. And so if you are feeling unloved, I would just sit with that question. Ask yourself that question because I'm telling you, you are loved just by being alive. That's it. You are loved. And if we have hope and love without faith, I don't know. I don't, like how real can our hope and love be without faith? They feel counterfeit to me a little bit. Because can you really love people that you don't have faith in? Like, do you really have hope for people and want what's good for them if you don't trust them? 
When we don't have faith in people, I think loving them starts to look like control. I think loving them starts to look like the need to always be right. The need to always have the answers because you end up putting your faith only in yourself because you don't trust anybody else and you don't trust God. And so it's hard to show people love when you only have faith in yourself or your own abilities or your own memory, your own strength, your own capacity. Without faith, there's no trust. And so I think we can find ourselves becoming people that we never wanted to be or people that no one actually wants to be loved by that way. We have to have faith in people and we have to be people that can have faith in us. If we can't trust the people that we can see, how do we think we are ever going to sustain faith in a God that we can't? We need faith. We cannot live without these three things. And for those of us who call ourselves Christians, who want to tell people about Jesus, not only can we not live without these three things, but they have to be evident in our lives. Evident in our lives. James was a disciple and also a half-brother of Jesus. And he says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? This word works again is that same Greek word ergon that we saw in Thessalonians. It's that actionable work of doing the thing. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. So let's think about works this way for a second. Let's think about the works. Like instead of doing the work, think about showing up with the works. Like if I said to you, we were going to have pizza for lunch and you can have cheese or you can have pizza with the works, which one are you going for? <laughs> Quinesha, that is because you eat like a six-year-old, okay? You are the only one in here that said cheese. Okay, let me give you this one. Let me give you this one. How about that phone that you carry around in your pocket? The computer. Why do we have to keep buying new phones that can do more and more things? All they really need to do is make calls. Because we have convinced ourselves we want the works. The works is deluxe. It's the best. It has all the things, right? So maybe instead of thinking about doing the work, we should think about living out our faith by showing up in people's lives with the works doing the best we can to live out all of the things that Jesus demonstrated with his own very life to the people that are now alive in ours. We show up with the works to be evident for it makes a difference. And then James really goes for him in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Like, it's all good, my guy. Don't worry. We got it covered. You take these. I'll take those. We'll come together. Everything will be good. We'll all work out. He says, show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good, great, awesome. That's so good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. He says, listen, your faith is great. I'm really glad that you believe that God is who he says he is. So do the demons. What makes you different? Show me your faith without works. He's like, no, really, what does it look like? 
How do you show people that you put your trust in God? How do you show people that God loves them? How do you show people that there's hope for their lives because God has already written the end of their story by just believing that he does and that he can? He says, it's not enough. It's not enough. I will show you faith by my works. So at Mosaic, we live by, guys, I've said this like 14 times already today. All right, we're trying again. Put Justin, can you put it on the screen? Maybe that'll, okay, here we go. Read along. At Mosaic, we live by, we're known by, and we're a voice of, okay. Now, there is somebody still out there. It's not you, but it's the person next to you maybe. And they're going, cool, cool, cool. Right, right, right. I got it. I'm so on board. Faith up and love. Like show up with the works. I got it. Yes, on board. But I still don't understand why I need the church. Like what does the church have to do with any of these things? Well, in order to do these things, you need people. We can't actually do any of these things without people. We want to be known by love without people. Who are we loving? We want to uh, be a voice of hope. Who are we talking to? Who is actually listening? Every hope or dream that you have for your life, pick just pick one, I guarantee you it involves people. If you hope to be married, that's a person. If you are married and you're hoping to grow your family, you're going to do it by bringing in more people. I hope to write a book one day. And even if I type up the whole thing and put it on the internet and I self-publish it, man, I really hope some of you read it. All of our hopes need people. How are we going to live by faith without people? We're going to show ourselves who God is by doing the good works in our own lives. All of this requires people. We can't live without these three things. We cannot be or grow or have faith, hope, or love without people. And so because you need people, you need the church. And because you need the church, listen, that's how we have the other church on the other side of the wall, bringing in the background music. This right, perfect timing. Let's go. We can't separate people from the church because the church is not a place to go. The church is a people. You need people because you are the church. People are the church. The church is people. I'm sorry to tell you this. Yes. Sorry to tell some of you this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't actually escape the church. You can't. You can't. You're stuck. When you decided to become a believer, you did not adopt the identity of Christian. You adopted the identity of the church. You are the church. Last week, Pastor Naeem used a verse in Matthew to talk about the power of the church and how not even the gates of hell will be able to prevent, uh, prevail against it. Do you know what that word church means? One more Greek word for you today. It's ekklesia, which means a gathering of people. It doesn't mean a place to go. The church by original design is a group of people. At Mosaic, we believe this so much that last year we did an entire sermon series called Becoming Church so that we can equip you and help you to understand this whole entire concept and dig into it a little bit more. And then we love the sermon series so much, we made a whole entire podcast of it. 
We now have a whole podcast called Becoming Church because we want to keep reminding people of this truth and keep having this conversation that no matter who you are or what you are doing, you can become the church outside of an hour on Sunday morning in this building. We are to become the church. And you know the difference. You know the difference between Christians and people who understand that we are called to be the church. Some of them might even be in your family. <laughs> Bumper stickers, that's one way to know. They might go to church more than you. These people might be on more small groups or teams. They probably know more scripture than you. Maybe they read the Bible more than you do. But they might not necessarily be doing anything to advance and go forward with the message or movement of Jesus. A lot of Christians have got their faith and their belief, but their faith becomes irrelevant because it is dead without works. Let's not just be Christians. Let's remember what it looks like to become the church. So what does it look like? What does it look like to move from being a Christian to becoming the church? Well, you need to be part of the ecclesia. You need to be part of the people. And if Mosaic feels like the right group of people for you, we would love for you to join us. We would love for you to be part of us. We do not have all the answers. We are very imperfect people who are going to make mistakes and probably disappoint you at some point. We just put that out there. But if you want to be part of us, we would love for you to be part of us because we do believe that this hope is for all people and that we are called to take this hope to every single person in the entire world, no matter who they are, because this hope is for them. This past week, somebody asked me how to become a member at Mosaic, and I was like, well, we need your social security number and your blood type. Then I'm going to give you this list of things to do so that you can prove you're holy and righteous. Then we'll take you before a committee, and we will decide whether or not you are worthy be part of Mosaic. Absolutely not. I did not say any of those things. I was very honest with her. And I said, do you want to be part of Mosaic? Jump in. Just become part of Mosaic. We try to make it very, very simple. We don't have membership. If you want to be part of us, you just decide that you want to be part of us. You decide that you want to move from watching the stories to being involved in creating them, to being involved in what the church is doing. So there are QR codes at your seat, maybe in the seat pocket or underneath. And there are so many different ways that you can scan those and get involved. You can join a volunteer team, you can give. If you're new and you just wanna like dip your toes in and give us your information, you can scan that too, it works just fine. But here's the thing. When you join volunteer staff at Mosaic, you're doing more than volunteering. You can volunteer at any one of a million organizations in Charlotte, and I know that they would be glad to have you in your volunteer hours. When you volunteer at Mosaic, you are joining the team. When you make coffee for somebody on a Sunday morning, you're not just making coffee. You're helping somebody stay awake. Because maybe last night, it's true. Maybe last night, they had a fight with somebody and they didn't sleep because their mind is just racing of all of the things that were said and what did it mean and I should have said this. Maybe they had a really bad week and they've hardly slept at all because they're trying to figure out a health diagnosis that they don't understand. 
Maybe there's a secret darkness that's weighing on them and they're like, well, if I'm awake and I can't sleep, I might as well show up where people will give me free coffee. That's what you're doing when you join the cafe team. We have a parking team here at Mosaic. It's not because you don't know how to find a parking spot. You park everywhere you go. We know, we trust you to figure that out. We have a parking team because we want to tell people from the second they arrive, we see you and we are ready for you. And we hoped you were coming and we have a spot just for you. So come on in. Fam families and parents, when you drop your kids off at MKids, it's because there are people there who have decided to serve, to sit out of the service so that you can come in and actually hear the voice of God without having to try to listen to him over your seven-year-old screaming or crying or singing or dancing or whatever is going on. Oh, guess where my kids are in MKids. It's the only way I'm up here. But they are in there serving your kids, loving on your kids so that you can be in here. So maybe you have one Sunday a month that you can thank them and take their place. And you can sign up to serve in MKids once a month so that they have the opportunity to come back in here and hear from God. And if you're watching online or you're listening later, you can still be part of us as well. There are so many volunteers working behind the scenes, on the cameras, in the soundboard, in a room upstairs. They're doing switches and buttons and stuff that I'm not allowed to touch because I'm gonna mess it up. So many volunteers that are doing this to make it possible so that you can still be part of us. And there are serving opportunities that take place outside of this building and outside of Sunday morning. So if you wanna get involved that way, you still can. You can also give financially from wherever you are. You can give financially to Mosaic from wherever you are. Do you know that our live stream alone costs $8,000? That's just to have the platform so that we have the option of providing the service online outside of Charlotte and to record these messages. And I know some people don't like to think about church and money, and they don't like to think about the fact that Mosaic has operating expenses, but we do. And the way that we pay them is with consistent tithe that comes in. We keep them paid on the generosity of people who tithe committed consistent percentages to Mosaic because that's the only way we can build a budget. Gifts here and there, we will never turn away. <laughs> but it's the consistent committed tithe that allows us to build a budget, to plan for the future. And just to keep it real with you, that committed tithe that we were bringing in has decreased by about 20% over the last couple of years. That's a big chunk. And so we have a goal at Mosaic this year to bring that number back up. We wanna bring that number back up so that we have funds to provide the ministries and the events and to continue being a church that does what we say we wanna do. And so we're asking for 30 new committed givers this year, for 30 new people to say, I don't know if I can give 10%, but I can give something and I can commit to a uh, giving a percentage this year. I can commit to that. Our goal there is to increase our tithe income or intake by $100,000, $100,000. So we would love for you to join 
Mosaic. You can scan that QR card with you before you go. It's also available online for anybody that's not here in the room. But if you want to be part of the church, if you want people to know your name, if you want the ministries and events and things to keep happening, all you have to do is move from attending or watching to serving and giving. We, our doors are closed to no one. If you want to be part of us, all you have to do is jump in and you can be involved here. As we end, I wanna go back to that verse in Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote that wasn't quite as encouraging where he was talking about how those three things last forever. And see, Paul was reminding them. He was reminding this church of people about what was the most important. He wasn't giving them brand new information. He wasn't teaching them something that they didn't already know. He was reminding them because they'd forgotten. They had unintentionally let culture or thoughts or their emotions or who knows what sway the things that they were saying and doing as a church. And so he comes in not to shame or punish or to control them, but to go, hey, I need you to come back this way because this is what we do when people that we love start to veer off and become something or somebody that they don't want to be. And so this is what he does. He calls them back in and he says, hey, come back over here. Come back this way. Let me remind you of what's the most important. I know it's hard to hear. I know it's hard to hear, but let me remind you of who you are because I still believe that that's who you are. Why don't you stand with me as I read what Paul wrote to them right before that reminder. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. It's like Paul is telling us there are two kinds of Christians here and we have the choice of which ones we want to be. We can be Christians that know all of the things and think that we have God and scripture and church and all of that figured out. We can do all of the works and sacrifice and we can brag about all of the miracles and the things that we're doing. And we can be Christian sound bites who just say a bunch of nice stuff and wear the label of Christian but maybe aren't actually doing anything to move forward the message or the movement of Jesus. Or, he says, we can live from a place of faith, hope, and love. We can reimagine church, ourselves as individuals, so that when we think of the word church, we don't think of this place. We don't think of a building. We don't think of a, a, an old school church with a cross on the top. When we think of church, we think of a group of people ourselves included. We can reimagine what it means to be the church and we can go out into the world together to show people who God is in their lives. So yes, I would say that you need the church. You need the church to grow spiritually and the church needs you to continue to grow and advance forward. So let's do this together. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for who you are. 
God, in a way that I can't wrap my brain around, you have existed forever. And God, there are people with problems right now that you already know the answers to. God, there are people, groups of the past who never thought they would come out of what they came out of. And so God, I pray that we would use these stories of churches, stories from scripture, God, stories of our own lives to hold on to hope of remembering that there is a future. And not only that it's there, but you have already written it and that you will be present in our future. God, I pray that you would show us the places that our faith maybe needs a little resuscitation because we have faith and we believe. But God, show us where we can show up with the works and show who you are to the people in our lives. God, I pray that your love would go out of this place with us. And that if we're questioning everything, if we don't know about our faith and we feel hopeless, that God, that would be the one thing that we are sure of. Because that is the reason that Jesus came and was born and died and was resurrected. God, it was all built on love. So I pray that we would accept that. In his name we pray, amen. We're gonna do one more song. Um, we call it response time here at Mosaic because it's essentially your chance to respond to whatever it is that God spoke to you, either in the message or the worship or even in a cup of coffee this morning when you came in. So we've got a cross over here as well as online. There are private chat rooms. You can leave your prayer requests. There's communion and candles just to represent somebody that you're praying for. Or you're welcome to stay in your seat and worship. Let's respond. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.